0: Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster.
1: Hello, friends. This is Brooke Skinner Ricketts, president and co-founder of Beyond Barriers. I'm here to introduce a conversation between... Beyond Barriers Co-Founder, Monica Marquez, and Stacy Devine, Chief Investment Officer of RPTC. You will love getting to know Stacy. She, from a young age, knew that the field of finance was for her. While other kids were playing, she was balancing budgets. She even loaned her sister money and charged interest. She later took an accounting class in school, and she was hooked. She pursued her CPA and started her career at Ernst & Young as a certified public accountant. Stacey knows the importance of stepping away from your career to consider what it is you want to do next. She did just that, and today she is the Chief Investment Officer of RPTC, a private trust company for a single-family office in Chicago. With all of her accomplishments, it might be hard to believe that Stacy was often underestimated and had to prove herself over and over again. She took this as an opportunity to build her courage. She finds great strength from her solid network of support, including her husband and friends, to keep finding the courage to claim her seat at the table. When Stacey needs to make a decision, she always tries to discover the opposite opinions. She seeks out diverse points of view. And then looks to see how they could affect her convictions. She knows the importance of stopping to have fun with her family because there will always be a million things to do. She has learned to give up on perfection to have more balance in her life. You will love Stacy, and I know you'll really walk away from this conversation with a number of juicy nuggets. Join us as Stacey shares her wisdom and leader in the finance world. Visit GoBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Stacy.
2: Hi, Stacey. Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. I've been so looking forward to this conversation and uh, all of The fascinating stories you have to share with the audience.
3: Well, thanks, Nikki. I am. I'm really excited to be here.
2: All right. Well, let's start at the very beginning because you have just such an incredible career journey and so many amazing accomplishments. Uh, How did you first get started? Like, did you know you
3: wanted to uh, pursue a career in finance? I did. I, you know, I had a really clear vision early on in my sort of life in that this is the direction I wanted to go. I mean, you know, after I realized that I wasn't going to be a horse jockey nor a (laughs) professional ballet dancer, then I definitely had, you know, very clear vision. And, you know, I think it started back even when I was 10 or 12 years old and I was loaning my older sister money and charging her interest. And (laughs) And then, you know, when, when I went to high school and I took an accounting class, I think that really solidified that I'd always been good at math, but I, I realized that I really like numbers that had dollar signs in front of them. And so I, I just knew finance and, and you know, was a direction that I, that I would go. And so I made this very clear path for myself in that I'm going to college and I will double major in accounting and finance. I will get my CPA. I'm going to go work at the at one of the big eight firms. I'm going to do two years because that's what it took to get your CPA, and then I'm going to switch into into investments. And I and I I did that, um, you know, and that was very, if that flowed very naturally. But then, when I went in the investment side, I definitely had a little bit of an awakening on on a few things. One of which was that I had to learn that it wasn't as much. There wasn't as much merit. I mean, there was definitely merit. You were definitely rewarded mm-hmm. for your work. But I had to learn to really speak up for myself a lot more. Mm-hmm. And you know, a couple examples of when I one firm that I went to. I was a smaller uh, boutique investment bank type firm in Chicago. And I started out actually as a sales assistant in their um, sales and trading group because it was really my the opening that I had in there. And after about a year, I realized I really was not leveraging my accounting and, and analytical skills. And there was an opening in equity research. So you know I marched into the head of research and said, I want that job. I think I would be great mm-hmm. for it. And they said, OK. And, you know, I was the first female that was hired into that group. And then about a year later, I think, you know, the firm was growing. So they hired another person into that role. Same role as mine. And it was a guy and part of my network of uh, women over on the accounting side uh, kind of let me know that he was going to be making a lot more than me and they were going to be paying for his Grad school at University of Chicago, and so I marched back into the head of research and said, "I need a raise, and you need to pay for my grad school because I was just starting at uh, University uh, at Northwestern and Kellogg Business School at night. It was the timing was perfect, so they said okay. So they were great; they were a really supportive firm, but. I, I, it was like I had to kind of shake them up a little to wake up, yeah. and see what you know, I needed. And but it was when I started doing more meetings externally that that's when I became a lot more frustrated. And I realized as I was going to these meetings, I was, was literally one of only you know either the only female or one of the very few people mm-hmm. in these meetings, and they were typically run by. C-suite individuals from multi-billion dollar publicly traded companies. At the time, I was in my late 20s. And I'm 5'1". I probably looked like I was still in college. And every time I went into these meetings, I had to prove myself over and over again. I was always underestimated. And I was getting really frustrated with that. Mm -hmm. And I said something to someone who was a mentor of mine about that. And mm-hmm. he said, "Look, you are right. You are going to be underestimated when you walk in. You are going to have to prove yourself when you, you do these meetings. But think of it the other way, because y- you will prove yourself. I, you know, I believe in you. You will do that. And at the end of it, then you're the one that they're going to remember. Um, you're the one that's going to stand out. You're unique, and, and you know, you're not one of five other people in a navy suit." Mm. Suit and so, it was a big aha moment for me that I could flip what I viewed as being sort of an underdog in the situation yeah. to embracing. Uh-huh. Okay, I am unique. I am different. I am going to, yeah. to prove myself. And so that was and a- that's
2: that was uh, you know what's fascinating in the story just shared is not only how you turn obstacles into these opportunities that shaped your mm-hmm. career and really flipped. Kind of the, the things that made you different instead of those being limitations that actually became unique advantages, um, in that. But I have to call out that, you know, the courage to say you need to pay me more and you need to pay for business school. That's not very common even now. And you're talking about, you know, something you did at the start of your career. Where did that chutzpah come from? (laughs) Like, where, how do you, what do you attribute that to? Being often the only woman and, you know, knowing that you're not getting paid as much as a male peer, but then not just settling for that and asking for what you deserve.
3: Yeah, I I don't know where that came from, frankly, because I am, I I can be a very shy person, you know, be an introvert, but I I do know that like courage is something I think I had to work on and, you know, and there's things that I've done to really help me with that. So one was, you know, there's one time I I was feeling very non-courageous in that (laughs) I, um, and I was, you know, I was feeling down. So I, I basically took this yellow sticky note that was on my desk and I took my pen and I wrote a big C on it. And it was a regular mm-hmm. pen so I went back and forth 20 times because I wanted to make it a bold C. Yeah. So yeah. The sticky note and, you know, put it on my my uh, computer, Monitor. computer. Yeah. and said, then you know, and it stood for courage and, and it stood for reminding me to just be brave and ha- be courageous. And nobody knew what the C meant, but I just mm-hmm. I, I just put it on there. And it was a great sort of daily reminder for that. You know, another thing for me to help boost that is is my network, you know, surrounding myself with people, whether they're friends or colleague type peers or um, family to boost me when I'm not when I don't feel like I have that courage, and mm-hmm. you know, my biggest mm-hmm. booster is is my husband, who's always been a big supporter throughout my whole career, and I think that's been important. And then, um, you know, a, a third one is just exhibiting e- exhibiting that confidence and courage when you don't necessarily, you know, realize it. And like that, exhibiting some some of that confidence yeah. is something then that people. Uh, then we'll perceive you as having that. And you know, a good example yeah. of that was there was a time when there was a a big meeting in which I did most of the preparation for, and I was the one who was going to run the meeting. And we had um a bunch of clients coming in for it. And my boss was coming in from New York. And the table was set up as a U shape. And he walked into the meeting And just naturally put his stuff down at the top of the U. He was going to be the most senior person in the meeting. And so I walked in a few minutes later, and I honestly didn't even really think about this, but I literally picked up his papers, and I moved him over one, and I put my papers down at the top of the U. because I was thinking, well, I'm running this meeting. I should be at the center top of the U. and. So after the meeting, he came up to me and was like, that was great. And, you know, he was like, I think it was awesome that you moved my papers and and put yours there. That showed, you know, conviction. It showed courage. It showed, you know, that you knew what you were doing. And Mm -hmm. and so his perception of that uh, ended up being an amazing impact for me on my career because he ended up being a sponsor for me and, you know, pushed me to take on management roles, pushed me to expand my territory. You know, put me up for managing director. And, um, you know, and that was a, a story that he tells to this day. Yeah. I mean, talk
2: about literally claiming your seat at the table, right? Very visual example, but it's, uh, you know, really powerful way for, you know, our audience to understand that sometimes even when it's not the intention, people may do things that displace you or disempower you. You know, it's not necessarily malintent, but it could be like in this case, your boss simply, you know, automatically assuming head of the table. Um, and rather than letting that situation define what we settle for, taking, you know, what uh, or claiming what uh, you deserve can be empowering not only for ourselves, but also reinforces our belief Our self-belief, um, and indicates that to other people because how we treat ourselves is very much how other people then start to treat us.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's
2: such a fantastic example of that. So, uh, let's, uh, dive into, we, you talked about the confidence and then visual reminder of the sea, um, to be, you know, courageous in those moments that you needed to be. How does that, you know, Give us a sense of, you know, how that plays into risk-taking and decision-making. You know, this is um, so much of success, um, you know, whether it is business success, professional success, career success, financial success is an element of risk-taking um, and making sound decisions that are timely and thoughtful. Um, and one of the things we often hear from women in our community is um, feeling stuck. Feeling stuck, not knowing whether to go left or right, feeling stuck with the indecision and being paralyzed by fear or being afraid to take risks so you settle for something suboptimal, what has worked for you, and this is both from a personal context, but also you're really in the business of making important you know decisions mm-hmm. with that have very high stakes. Um, how do you navigate through that?
3: Yeah, I think um for me to get conviction in some of the decisions that I'm making one of the things that I do from kind of a daily perspective is I and a lot of people do this. I mean, I read every day or I listen to podcasts or I have meetings in which I want information from people and and basically you know, one of the things when I do when I read is is try to get very diverse views of what I'm reading, and not only multiple opinions or perspectives, but even opposite opinions and perspectives to mm-hmm. what, and, and opposite to what I think. Uh, so you know, back when I was a sell side equity analyst, you I would have um, you know people if I had a buy rating on stock, people who had a short would call me and say you're wrong, you need to, you know, this should be a short, this should, the stock's going down, not up. And I'd be like, okay, tell me why. Where a lot of people would want to just blow off the, those costs. Mm-hmm. Or today, if I'm thinking about it and, you know, a decision that I'm making um, on the investment side, it, like I said, you know, I want to read like, is the Fed going to raise rates? Is the Fed going to lower rates? Mm-hmm. Rate? I do all that, but also really everything impacts investments. And so everything impacts the decision that I'm making in investments. So even if it's political or geopolitical or, you know, it's, it's all important for me to really see both sides of an argument and then I can understand it and then I can challenge my view and then I can then have a much better conviction in, in the decisions that I'm making. But how do you
2: reconcile an opposing point of view that you perhaps disagree on, you know, at a core value level or belief level, like, you know, uh, and and maybe this plays out even in terms of investment decisions where um, you have a very thoughtful analysis and a recommendation, but that gets overruled by someone's opinion or preference uh, that's not grounded in um, the analytics. Uh, how do you reconcile that for yourself specifically
3: yeah i i mean i think when it i think when it comes to the investment side i i will stay i mean if I feel like I have a grounded decision on what i'm doing i will i I will just you know point back to those points of my decision and feel like that i've made the case that i need to make Mm -hmm. and will defend kind of that decision but if it's but if somebody is making you know very good points i definitely will reassess and make sure that hasn't changed my view or changed my opinion on something yeah. You know,
2: it's, it's such a healthy approach to take to not be in an echo chamber because so much of what we see today in, you know, in the uh, dialogue online in particular is so polarizing. And, and it's because there's not enough interaction and openness um, to that. So, Stacey, you know, one of the things that, um, sometimes becomes an impediment for women uh, is reentering the workforce um, and, and, you know, feeling the self doubt about whether they can, uh, you know, come back and be successful, but also there's a level of, you know, uh, preconceived notions or judgment about, you know, where they would fit in within that. And and it does become a barrier for uh, women for reentry. You took a break um about three plus years um, and eventually became chief investment officer. Um, how, How? what helped you in that
3: process? Mm-hmm. I did take a break and it's interesting. And, and I'll go back a little bit to the point of deciding to take that break. And so, as I mentioned, in my career, I was very, very focused and very driven, yeah. pushing myself forward. And, you know, after being at that uh, Chicago boutique firm, I was, I was recruited to a global firm, you know, still based in Chicago, but recruited mm-hmm. over just, you know, continued on this treadmill. And I realized I was in my mid 30s. And I realized that mm-hmm. I was, I was pushing and doing everything, what I've, you know, felt right from a career perspective, but I was neglecting my personal growth. Mm. And in order for me to kind of reassess and and make a pivot and figure out what I wanted to do. Cause I knew I no longer wanted to be a self-site analyst. I, I literally had to step away. I had to step out. Mm-hmm. So I just, I walked in one day and resigned and they were pretty shocked. Wow. and Couldn't figure out why, you know, why would you do this? And I'm sure you're never coming back. And I said, no, I no I'm coming back. I will be back, not here, but I will be yeah. back. And yeah. And so I knew I needed to prove during that time I didn't have an end game in the sense of the timing I was taking off exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to shift gears from being very focused in just the equity market to something much bigger and broader in the investment industry. And so I couldn't just say, oh, yeah, I worked on that while I was while I was off. I mean, uh, so I took the CFA which is the chief um chartered financial analyst test and it takes 3 years essentially to do it it's three consecutive tests and it's it's not it's a lot of work to do. So I took that I had that time to do that and so that was to prove on my professional level and then from a personal level of growth I was very fortunate in that It worked during that time period that I had two boys who are now 18 and 20. um, Seems like yesterday, and so you know, I I worked on that side of myself as well. What you know, how do Mm I balance my my uh, my sort of holistic view of of life? And I also took French classes, which that nowhere. So I I did I went back to yes, I'm on the right path. Finance is my yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. when I when I um, you know, so those were some of the things that I did um to to do that. And I still wasn't sure where I wanted to necessarily do, but I knew I wanted to do something more holistic in the investment mm-hmm. field. And You know, ultimately what I did do and how I got back, you know, did position me incredibly well for um, a CIO role.
0: What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers momentum metric quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today.
2: What's interesting and in how you went about that process was you never sort of opted yourself out. You know, right. like it was, um, you know, a break did not in your own mind translate into some kind of opt out of the career. It was uh very intentional and sort of continuing to make that progressions and, and only coming back even more equipped with better tools and positioning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, during that time throughout all of these experiences, you've emphasized the importance of, you know, building a, a strong network and community in your career. You've uh, shared, you know, people that have been mentors and sponsors, um, a very supportive spouse, um, the friendships that have helped you in that. You know, can you um, share, you know, uh, steps you've taken to build uh, more strategic and powerful relationships?
3: Well, I will say that community has been essential through my entire career. Uh, When I, you know, when I came back to the workforce, Mm. it was about three years later that I started the process. I had built the community with, you know, prior work colleagues. You know, one Mm. of the benefits of going to... Kellogg, when you live in Chicago, is you still have a big community in yeah. Chicago. I, uh, you know, so uh, the most important thing it is a two way street. And so being helpful both ways has always been important mm-hmm. about that period. But I, I was stepping into a period where it was like, okay, guys, I really need help. And yeah. so I started, I, I knew I was coming back. I, I knew I wanted something broader, but I just, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I started doing the traditional, Coffee's, lunches, meetings. You know, what do you do? What do you like about what you do? What do you not like? Who else can I talk to? And you know, and everyone was very helpful in having those meetings with me. And then, when one of someone I knew had actually interviewed for this one role, and she left the interview going i don't that's not for me but i i know that's and told the recruiter i have this other person i know stacy and she's going to be perfect at that role so i i did the interview and it went awful i the interviewer he walked me out and he made a comment to the effect of you know best of luck to you and your children or something to that effect yeah. And this was my first you know, interview of trying to come back after being out for over three years at this point. And so I walked out of that meeting and I said, oh, this is the job I want. I really, I, you know, I've been, I've yeah. had enough interviews and enough conversations. This is the job that I want. And so I called two people that worked there and said, I just had this interview it went awful. I know I'm not getting all that. Can you please help me just get a second interview? That's all I need. Mm-hmm. Give me mm-hmm. that interview, and I will take it from there because I really, really want this job bad. And they did. I got the second interview, so I went to New York, and he even the guy that I interviewed with initially even made a comment about, um, wow, I was a different person this time. And and interviewed of course, with like ten people because that's what you do mm-hmm. when you go to the New York interview. And um, and I got the job. And so. I just am forever grateful for the community there. So as I, as I mentioned earlier in the conversation, it's, it's a two way street. And so I definitely want to always pay that forward and, and be the person that will say, yes, I'll make that call for you. Or yes, I will um, come meet you for coffee and tell you what mm-hmm. I do, how I, how I built my career. And uh, so it, it's important. And then the other piece of it is it just, it needs to be sincere. It, mm-hmm. it, it, You need to make sure people know you do care about these, um, about them or the meetings that you're having. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: But yeah, what's um, the takeaways um,
2: for our audience is that you consistently made it a point to ask for help. You did reach out and say, okay, I'm trying to learn this or I'm I'm curious about this, Mm -hmm. help me out. Like Mm -hmm. you met people, you were sincere about it, you were helpful to them, not just asking them to help you. Um, and you leverage your community. Uh, you didn't make it a solo journey. The benefits of that um, have clearly proven to be exponential in, in the results it created in your career.
3: Yeah, it has. And I think, too, the community has been a combination of of women because I definitely feel like women really like to support women. But I have had mm-hmm. men be just as critical in, mm-hmm. in community and, and helping me throughout my career. Yeah, I think it was... Um,
2: was it a quote from Condoleezza Rice who says, uh, "You know, if I was waiting for uh, to be mentored by someone like me, I wouldn't have a career." <laughs> you know, it was, um, and and the same for me. It's been so much of of having incredible male mentors that opened doors, took a chance, and you know mm-hmm. me learn the next level skills. So, um, I, I'm curious about you know with. A demanding career um, and and an important role uh, of such consequence, and also being a mom and you know having a healthy personal life. What are some of the ways that you stay grounded and take care of yourself?
3: You know it's interesting. A, a, a couple of weeks ago, it was a Friday in turning into the evening, and I was working from home. And we had plans that night, and I can get into a zone uh, pretty easily at working. And my husband popped his head into my office, and he said, "Hey, are you done?" And you know, it's uh, you know, we're going to be getting going to be late. And so I thought to myself, the word "done" like stood out to me. I'm like, "Done?" I'm like, "I'm never going to be done. I, I can work twenty four seven. I'm never going to be." Done. Yeah. I mean, there's always always something to do so i but i said i said but yes i can stop i can i can just Mm -hmm. i can be like okay i'm putting my pen down i'm hitting Control alt delete the computer is going off and i'm ready to go have fun and so so part of it is the first step of it before i can even go enjoy myself is turning it off and and just saying Mm -hmm. i'm just stopping and i'm going to turn it off right now even though i Mm -hmm. know there's a million things that you know it's still have yeah. to, be. and you know, and and I like a lot of people. I you know I enjoy uh, spending time with my with my family, with my husband, with my kids. Being a hockey mom, uh, <laughs> going walking with my girlfriends, just you know around the neighborhood yeah. is, a, is a ritual of ours. We both, my husband and I both, and our family love the mountains. So hiking and. And skiing and being outdoor in fresh air. So I think most of my sort of fun time is, is being out and, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, exercising and just being, taking advantage of life.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, and
2: very powerful choice of words, because when we tell ourselves, I'll, I'll do this thing that is good for me when I'm done, you know, mm-hmm. I'll take that vacation or I'll go on a walk or I'll work out or fix myself a healthy meal or talk to a friend when I'm done. And we know, well, mentally, we're never done because that task list just keeps growing longer. It doesn't Mm -hmm. shrink. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's really a recipe for burnout if you're not consciously creating those boundaries. And I think your strategy of simply choosing the word stop versus done, you know, framing it that way to Mm -hmm. say, you know, I'm not done, but I can stop.
0: And, right. and
2: creating right. space for the things that fuel you and recharge you. Um, I'm gonna have to do that myself. I, I, I love <laughs> the
3: <that> framing. <laughs> Never, yeah. A few weeks ago, we were going to go away for a three day weekend, and I kept coming in and hawing. going, I don't know. I don't know if I can get away, and I don't know if I can get away. And then yeah. I, uh, I just, it was one of those aha moments. I said, I'm just, we're booking the flights. We're just going, and yeah. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah
2: that's great um so um i know you love learning and you're a very curious person how do you continue growing both personally and professionally especially having accomplished so much what is that like um you know uh, i guess the uh, not necessarily career aspiration but like how do you continue to evolve
3: yes so I I think it goes back to curiosity. It goes back to knowing there's so much that we don't know, that there's Mm -hmm. so much out there that is, it's just a huge world, basically. And Mm -hmm. so spending the time... Whether it's, you know, the, the reading or the time with friends or family or anything like that. I mean, all of that creates personal growth. Any, any, yeah. any activity, uh, experience mm-hmm. that you experience creates mm-hmm. And so I think that all of that really culminates into, into that growth.
2: Well, that's the perfect segue into our lightning round questions because we're going to dig into some of those things even more. Okay. Um, so I'm going to ask you five questions, and uh, this gives us a sense of of so the different parts of you. Uh, uh, the first one is, "What is a book that has greatly influenced you?"
3: Well, the book I want to say is Cloud Cuckoo Land, and I have to qual- quantify that, qualify that a little bit in that. Um, it's not necessarily influence. When I read a book, I want my books to be entertainment and uh, sort of escapism uh, versus mm. versus an influence. And so I tend to read just a lot of fiction. And so that one yeah. 100% fits that bill.
0: Love it.
2: I haven't read it, but now I've got a book recommendation. Uh, what's a favorite quote
3: or saying? Uh, so relaying back, what makes you... What makes you different will make you stand out. You will be remembered. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, and and certainly true of your career. In each of those uh, stories you shared, you were mm-hmm. different, and it's what made you stand out. Um, what is one word uh, you would use to describe yourself?
3: Yin yang. Mm, tell I, me more. Yeah, I'm basically an introvert pretending to be an extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, and 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 maybe it goes. If you know, I have a lot of varied uh, things that I I like to do, and and I I don't fit any sort of singular. Just um, a lot of contradictions.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, that's
2: fun. Um, what is one change? Uh, whether it's a habit or behavior that you implemented that made your life better?
3: I stopped reaching for perfection. Mm. So early on, you know, I had to be that valedictorian. I had to get the straight A's. I had to get this. I had to get that. And then that's when I realized there's, I needed to figure out more balance.
2: Mm. Um, I, I can't remember who said that, but this quote has always stuck with me that perfection is the lowest standard we can aim for, because there's no way to go beyond perfection. Mm-hmm. But excellence is, mm-hmm. a, is a better choice, because it's the process and it's always thriving with that.
3: Exactly. I mean, perfection, you're always going to feel like you're not quite there. And yeah, and, and not yeah. Feel of accomplishment because it's just not realistic.
2: Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Okay, fun question. What's a power song you would want playing as you walk up onto the stage?
3: Unstoppable by Sia. And it's a soundtrack from this amazing movie called The Swimmers. So it's the entire Mm. soundtrack is good.
2: Oh, all right. We'll have to put that uh, along with this episode uh, for Mm -hmm. people to jam with that. Well, this has been fantastic, Stacey. Thank you for sharing your story and your strategies uh, with our audience. I think there's um, you know, so many uh, fascinating um, actionable points that you provided in terms of how someone can find their voice even when they don't fit in with you know the the people around them. And how they can remind themselves to be courageous and confident and to claim their place uh, and claim what they deserve and to always keep an open mind that allows them to keep learning from diverse perspectives and to, you know, know when to stop even when it's not done. (laughs) So thank you so much. This is, uh, you know, I'm sure our audience is going
0: to get a lot of valuable tips from this. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com where you can subscribe and find show notes, links and the best way to connect with our guests.